Welcome to the Spirit School of Ministry podcast, where we discuss discipleship in everyday life. Hi there, I'm Pastor Bob, and this is Pastor Derek and Pastor Susan Dunn, and they are from City Harvest Church mm-hmm. down in the uh, L.A. area. A matter of fact, I'm going to let them introduce themselves so I don't do an injustice to <laughs> <laughs> where you're from. Because actually, the reason we do this is because if people are listening to this in your area, we want them to come visit you. Yeah. Mm. And I'm going to brag on you a little more, but I'm going to give you a chance first to speak about who you are. Awesome. Well, I'm Pastor Derek, my wife, Susan, and uh, we pastor a great church in uh, Orange County, California, right in the middle of LA and San Diego uh, in Aliso Viejo. Been going about 10 years. We're celebrating our 10-year anniversary. Amazing. Mm. Amazing. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So what should I say? I'm the wife of Pastor Derek. (laughs) She's the one who keeps me straight and makes sure we're... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, well, uh, I'm originally from Singapore, uh, and uh, Derek was a missionary in Singapore, and that's how we met. And uh, three kids later, the Lord spoke to us to come back to Orange County. He said we are to come back to redig the wells. Uh, and I do mm. think that uh, revival is coming to California yeah. Yeah. and to the rest of yeah. America. And so we are super excited. And I believe that you know today we, we are going to talk about one very important topic that is the foundation for all revival. Oh, yeah. yeah. Listen, um, I'm so excited to have you guys here. Uh, you know, I did get to spend a little time down at your place mm-hmm. a little while ago yeah. and uh, with the team. And uh, you have such a wonderful church. Thank uh, you. There's a lot of energy and uh, young people and older people and every people in between. And, yeah. and uh, But people just, you can tell that there's a, uh, a love for the Lord there mm-hmm. yeah. and a tremendous uh, anointing that's on your church too. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't use those words loosely actually because I don't, you know, you, you know, a lot of times you can't hear people say that about everything. But I, it's, mm-hmm. I, I think so, my wife and I, we both think so fondly of you guys and uh, your hospitality and the, the way you show the care and love of God. And I can tell it in your people. I can tell it by their honor. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing I yeah. notice. Like that's there's a culture of honor going on in there, yeah. right. and that doesn't doesn't happen by accident. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I want to tap into some of that today because we believe uh, in discipleship around here. Right. Yeah. And uh, you know we train in it in our school. We try to live it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we make disciples uh, as we're being made. And I can tell from your church that that's in your hearts. So yeah. we want to just talk a little bit wherever God brings us today, because mm-hmm. He, who you know, we're yeah. just we're here for the ride. Yeah. But um, <laughs> what what is what does it look like to you? Yeah. What is well, well, that means a lot coming from you. And, yeah, uh, our people loved you. It's such a good time. And I think, you know, when you meet the people, we can yeah. meet the leaders and the leaders going to have a standard, but when it filters down the people, we're yeah. doing something right. Uh, yes. <laughs> you know, and uh, and so that's, you know, just for that, to say a culture of honor, which is a kingdom's culture. Yes. Is there. And so I think, you know, coming back, I was a, you know, Westerner born in America, I grew up in the church world here. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to discipleship, we talk about the word discipleship, discipleship is a program. You know, let's go to a discipleship group. Right. Let's go to a, a discipleship class and <laughs> yeah. things like that. But when I went to Asia, you know, I, I realized uh, they didn't use the word discipleship so much, but it was very much about re- building relationships. Yes. 
And so the foundation when we talk about discipleship is relationship. And, and really, you know, Jesus calls his disciples as he called them that they might be with mm-hmm. him. Right. Yeah. He didn't say he started a Bible school, a training center, or, you know, and all those things are wonderful, but it was about living life together, yeah. relationship. And in that, he challenged their values. In that, he brought them and challenged the vocabulary, I'm sure, because they were fishermen and we know how fishermen talk. Right. And, and, you know, to the point when he left, they said they could tell they'd been with Jesus Mm. because of their boldness, because of the way they taught. There was a transformation that took there, but it was relational. Yeah. And so I think, you know, the kingdom of God, we always say, is based on relationship. Um, And so in that, we've got to build relationship, take work to get involved in people's lives. And so, you know, we experienced that when I was in Asia. It was uncomfortable a little bit to me because I'd really not been discipled. Mm-hmm. I'd been through Bible school. I'd been in great churches. I'd you know ministered and been trained in ministry, but no one was really challenging my values and in my thinking mm-hmm. way that I was. It was teaching. It was equipping. It was impartation. But I went to Asia. You know, it was it was very intrusive in the sense of there was such a culture of building a relationship. You know, and yeah. I would come in and want to preach, and they'd say, "Well, why are you preaching? Just share your heart." And I'd be like, well, "What do you mean?" Wow. You know, and and so you know, it wasn't about hiding behind your gift or just operating your gift, but it was sharing your heart and knitting of hearts together. And so, you know, God right. really trained me uh-huh. in the mission field mm. to come back, and that's what we've tried to kind of emulate and build as we started a church from the foundation. Yeah. I mean, we started in a university, just handing out flyers right, and inviting right. people and hardcore students that are you know crazy. And uh, <laughs> but there are future, there are leaders now. And yeah. so through this, you know, years, they've come in and done that. So, you know, I think Susan can share a bit about that, too. And for her coming, adjusting yeah. to the Western culture, she came from the Eastern <laughs> yeah. world. And, and you know, and yes, it, yes. it was an adjustment, too. I think honor is a lost art here in America. Yes. Uh, and, you know, the kingdom of God operates on the level of honor, right? Yes. How, the, how does uh, one uh, generation... The faith of one generation passes through another, or the anointing or the authority. It passes through honor. Honor is the vehicle through which the anointing and the authority of one generation is passed on to another, or the authority and anointing of one person is passed on to another. And because we do not honor each other as ordained mm-hmm. by God according to the word, henceforth, we see uh, the, the church is very fragmented, right? We don't see the power. We don't see the transference. Transference of anointing, authority, transference of wealth from a a legacy uh, from one person to another. And that is what makes us powerful. It's what what I have broken through, I can pass on to you. But that is through honoring each other. So all joints supply. And if we can bring the church back into order in that area, the church will be a powerful force. We can turn the world upside down once again for the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, it's interesting. Um, Well, as people listening, they can tell right away there's some deep wells going on here. (laughs) I love it. I love when I fellowship with you guys. It's like right there immediately, but the, uh, along with the presence of God and, um, I love where you're tying this in because it's it has to go beyond just what I do for ministry. Or like yeah. you said, oh yeah, you know, I, I went and learned how to be a pastor. Great. Yeah. But discipleship's a whole, whole nother, nother story. Yeah. And he didn't say go and make pastors of the whole world. Yeah. Right. He made he said go make disciples. Yeah. And in that process, and I think Jesus, he taught this so well with his life the way he honored people. Yep. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I love what you're saying, Pastor Susan, that uh, 
how you express that to others. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that God actually won't trust someone with the power and authority that you're dis- you're talking about yes. uh, on all those levels, the transference right. of wealth, the uh, ability to uh, manage things and to and actually have dominion over things. Mm-hmm. He, how would he trust somebody if they're not an honorable person? Yeah, that's Why right. Would, yeah. yeah. And what is more dangerous than a man with the, the power mm-hmm. is a man without honor. So understand that God desires for us to go from faith to faith, from glory to glory. Yes. He said, greater works shall you do. Greater works. Greater works than what he had done before. Mm-hmm. You know, that blows our mind. It but sure what does. his concept <laughs> is this. If we can honor each other, he starts the ball rolling. We will see the ball go into the court. Wow. Right, So it is important for us to understand this, that God is demanding that we as the believers of God uh, uphold the duty. Yes, the word is duty. To continue to expand the kingdom from, the kingdom from one level of yeah. faith to the other, one level of glory to the other. Mm-hmm. And because the, because the believers are now becoming more self-centered. It's all about me. It's all mm-hmm. about my ministry. It's all about my reputation. It is all about how many books I sell. It is all about how, how well-known I am. So now it is no longer about the kingdom. So we have lost the momentum. Uh, you know, what one carried in, well, you know, Pastor Bob, you've done a lot to break through into where you are today. Mm-hmm. But what you've done, you can pass on to someone Absolutely. else who is younger and he or she can take it and run with it and become greater. Yes. And that's what God's intention for us, that we all do greater works than what he had done. Yeah. That blows our mind that we can do greater works. Yes, we can do greater works than what Jesus had done when he was here on earth. I think you're tapping into uh, some things that are actually, I know there are eternal rewards in God, but there's some, uh, temp- uh, or not temporal, but rewards now. Yep. Okay. And some of those are when you pass on some of that uh, anointing, mm-hmm. uh, some of the honor. Yep. Uh, and it's not just taught. No. It has to be caught, yep. right? And it has to be something you, you press into someone and they re- they openly receive that, and when they, um, when you see that in someone, and you see them start to manifest a life of honor and mm-hmm. dignity, um, you're seeing you're seeing God manifested in yeah. that, and it is like for me, it's like my one of my greatest rewards right here on earth right now. You know, I know there's others, <laughs> but there that one for me is so wonderful to see that a, yes. a next generation like take it and go with it because yeah. things that you held so close to your heart that really mattered. Mm. They, you know, they you you you, know, you care about you yeah. your blood, sweat, and tears you've given your whole life to, yeah. and someone else actually taking that and yeah. running with that. Yeah, I love it. And you know, you when you're talking, I was thinking about the Old Testament example. You look at Elijah yeah. and Elisha. Right. I mean, Elijah had the school of the prophets. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm sure people were learning to prophesy. They're learning uh-huh. to get activated in the anointing. But you don't hear much about the school of the prophets. Yeah. But Elijah had the principle of honor. Yes. And he, he honored Elijah to that's the end. And, God, and, and that's what he said. You asked a difficult thing, but if you honor me, you see me go, you yeah. continue to serve me, mm. you're going to get the double portion. Mm. And so that's the thing. We want a double portion. You know, pray for the double portion anointing. Lay hands on me. Part <laughs> your gift. But it doesn't work that way. It flows through relationship. It flows yes. through honor. And because he honored Elijah to the end, even when Elijah said, hey, go back, it's too difficult. Right. He stayed 
what happened? He, he, he became, you know, a double portion prophet yes. because of that. And so I think that culture of honor, and we talk about honor, you know, some people don't know mm-hmm. what honor is. Honor is not a Eastern religion. You know, we just respect someone because they're older than us. Right. That, but it's, right. it's basically, you know, when I think of that in the New Testament, right. you know, the Bible says no, no one after the flesh, yes. but after the spirit. So what do we do? We treat those that who carry something in God with honor because we honor right. the gift. Right. We we, we pre- treat our brothers and sisters with honor. Yeah. We repeat those that 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 are called to serve us and we're raising up mm-hmm. with honor. Yeah. And uh, we don't see a lot of that. We've seen no. a lot of you know that brings sonship. I would say. Yes. And daughter, when you're not, you can you raise up slaves, you raise up workers, you raise up people mm-hmm. that are called so called disciples, but they're really not. They're workers. Mm-hmm. But when you have honor, you're raising up sons who honor the father, and the father honors the son. I was wondering when we get to the sonship thing because one of the things it goes together, right? Uh, you know, one of the things yeah. I always get yeah. when I'm around you, to be yeah. honest with you, I, I haven't actually ever talked to you about this, yeah. but when I'm around you uh, and I carry it uh, so much, uh, maybe I caught it from you. It could have been a you know something you catch, <laughs> <laughs> but would, uh, the the whole. Uh, not just concept, the life of sonship, mm-hmm. how it brings you into a different, uh, well, it's relationship. So it brings you into a different relationship and realm of fellowship yeah. mm-hmm. with the father and with his children. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, sonship, is, it goes so far beyond everything else. I, I know you guys like carry that. You get that. Like you, yeah. I've seen how you like approach the father. It's not as a slave. Mm. Now, we know that leaders are servants, yep. right? They're yep. a servant leader. We yep. teach that here in our leadership groups. And hey, if you're going to want to be a, you know, if, you, if you're not willing to be a servant, you're probably not worthy to be, you know, a, a, you know, a leader. But the sonship component brings it out of just a pure slavery and where you, where you start to operate yep. is in my father's house. I'm, I so much carry his heart, which right. discipleship does, yeah. right? You yeah. carry yeah. the Father's heart, mm-hmm. and you so much carry his heart mm-hmm. that when you're in his house, of course you're right. going to honor him. Yeah. Of course you're going to do what pleases him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. because you Not because you have to, because you want to. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that's the heart of it. And, you know, you, you, people pray this, and they say, God, use me. God, and I always cringe. And I, because God, but God doesn't want to use us. Right. He wants us to be something. Like you said, it's a love relationship. Yeah. Jesus loved his father. And even though he was God, he's mm-hmm. equal with the father or he can't mm-hmm. be God, but he was fully submitted because of love. Yes. And so, you know, you see, and we don't, how does our brain tweak that? We don't fully understand it, but everything he did, he said, I do nothing unless I see my father do. I say nothing because he wanted to please his father. Mm-hmm. And, and there's that love relationship. And so, you know, sometimes with the breakdown of family and things that we don't see that. And, you know, I've seen men of God that they've had people and they're slaves. That's right. They're running around doing stuff. They're afraid of them, you mm-hmm. know, but that's not how you should be with your father. You honor and you respect the authority, mm-hmm. but, you know, you can cry up, crawl up in their lap and say, Abba, Father, Daddy, right. God. And so I think that, you know, we, we've got to have that right heart in it. Yeah. Not I want to be used or I'm going to be a slave. So hopefully I get some anointing and get an impartation or right. this person can open doors for me. But like you said, it's, it's that heart of love of family, of wanting to please God. And yeah, does God use me? But I'm not a piece of a commodity right. he's using. Right, using up. Using yeah. up, exactly. Yeah. And I get that, and, you know, but but in the heart, it's like, God, please use me. You know, mm. but, but God, 
we, God's created us. He's put greatness in us, but it, through the relationship of the Father, the, the, what we do in ministry or anything right. else is the overflow of that relationship. Yes. Yeah, I and, love it. <laughs> yeah, and then the sonship is the apex of yes. the, the discipleship process, right. Right? right? The remaking of a person to model after the son. Yes. Right? To model after the father. So then he becomes the true son. So discipleship process really is the remaking of the person to come to his identity of so uh, a son of yes. God. And uh, that is the legacy. Right. Right. That's the legacy. Once uh, someone reaches sonship, he now has a legacy that he can pass on. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. He's in that place. Yeah. You know, um, there's, it's interesting, Pastor Susan, because I, I know this because uh, I've seen how you operate at times. Uh, it strikes me because something that uh, Pastor Derek was saying is that there's a, uh, there's a, a security that happens in sonship. Right. right. So true. Even yeah. if you even if you mess up with the father, yeah. he's still a father. Right. Yeah. And so you have to you know so a slave doesn't feel like that. If a slave feels like they have to, you know, uh earn their way back or they're getting kicked out and that's mm. the end of it. But the yeah. reality is a, a son yeah. is always a son. Yeah. And I've noticed with you, Pastor Susan, that you then this strikes me, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but you <laughs> it looks like when you approach the father, when I see how you either operate in um, and I say I want to say it's mostly in prayer, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, the few times I've seen you pray mm-hmm. um, or experienced you pray, um, it looks like from a sonship component. It doesn't look like uh, you're begging. It's like I'm coming because this is my right. papa. Yeah. yeah. Can you can you unpack any of that <laughs> for people listening? Because I think it's such yeah. a key like it's so instrumental in, in, in having that sonship attitude yeah, just to jump in you know yeah, and I think Sid, but you know for those that don't know and you know susan shared this openly but she never knew her dad wow she grew up with a single yeah. mom mm-hmm. you know and her mom worked two jobs doing that so she didn't really have a father mm-hmm. and so coming into that relationship with father you say that but that was a journey yes uh, of relating to where the father became her father, you know? Yeah. So maybe elaborate on that. And so, because really, I love what you say, because in prayer, we, we have people a lot of times, you can tell they don't really know the father. They've got an issue with the father. Mm-hmm. They'll pray in Jesus' name, they the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit, but the father is not there, yeah. you know? And and so what did Jesus say? I came to, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I came to bring you to mm-hmm. restoration with the father. That's the ultimate goal. Yes. Um, and, and Jesus Everything he does is out of reflection of the Father. You see me, you see the right. Father. But people stop at that because Jesus is the brother. Jesus is the, you know, the son. But if you if you don't have that, if you have an issue with Father, many of us do, you have right. a hard time relating to Father. So maybe, you know, mm. unpack that. There's so much, to, you know. I probably <laughs> would need to take hours before I can do a whole session on that. We, we got all night. We <laughs> <laughs> can do this. But, you know, just this morning, I was having conversation with another pastor about this, about uh, the church, right? We are, we are passionate to win souls. But we do the conversion process. We, we get involved in, in bringing them to the Lord. But the, the, the missing component is we do not bring them to the Father. So mm. if they don't come to the Father, the whole process is, is uh, incomplete. <laughs> yes. Because we cannot have a conversion without a, hmm. an adoption the adoption process yes. must be completed. And most people, from what I see, they come to Jesus, but they don't eventually come to the Father. 
And that is the responsibility of the church, the pastors, yes, the leaders, to encourage them to come to a place where they are fully adopted. I say fully adopted because there are people who come to the Lord and they know in their mind that they are their father's child. How many of them always say, I'm my father's child, I'm my father's mm -hmm. son, I'm my father's daughter. But you see them, they don't exhibit the authority, neither do they uh, walk in confidence. Because even though in their mind, they know that God is their father, but in their heart, they have not fully completed the adoption process. It's just like when you adopt a child, right? Yes. Yeah, when you adopt a child, the child can come and live with you. And he knows that you have adopted him, maybe legally even go through mm -hmm. the whole legal process. But if his heart has not made a decision that he's going to adopt you as the father and your wife as the mm -hmm. mother, he will not be fully secured. He will not walk in his confidence and he will not carry the legacy of you. So the church needs to make sure that we uh, see that discipleship, then this is a very important part of the discipleship yes. process to <laughs> yes. make them not only fully demonstrate the person of Jesus, the power of Jesus, but to really ultimately come into that full identity that I am my father's child. Yeah. So uh, me having not had a father uh, was a rough ride for me, you know, mm. but uh, that affected me more than I could understand but then knowing God as the father was just the beginning because it's in my head I know God as my father, but I don't walk in that fullness of that confidence. You know, the Bible says to come boldly into his presence. Yes. You will never be able to come boldly into his presence if you never really fully embrace yourself as his son or his daughter. Yes. Because the devil will always at some point interject you in your prayer to let you, you know, question you, your identity, just right. as he questioned Jesus in the in the wilderness, yes. he will question you. So unless and until you settle in your heart, you fully allow yourself to be adopted and that you adopt your father as your heavenly father, uh, the, that process of completion uh, will not happen. And so you cannot come boldly in your, in, in, in your, uh, you know, imperfect state right we are all imperfect right we cannot come boldly into our right. father's presence but because when i fully allow myself to be adopted i know my father loves me regardless of my imperfection regardless if i am disobedient but because in my heart i settle yes. that my father loves me and all he wants is for me to be his child and to yeah. love him and to eventually you know, to walk with him and to obey him, that settles deep in my heart who I am. Yeah. So wow. I come with my good and my bad. I say, God, you love me in spite of, but I want to be good for you. I want to be good because I want to love you. I want you to be pleased. I want you to love me and be pleased with me. So that kind of, you know. Yeah, you know, um, I... I know you're speaking to somebody who's going to be hearing this in the mm -hmm. future and you're speaking into their heart because you know, they're, they're not, uh, they never allowed themselves to be fully adopted. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's been yes. a one way thing. God's calling, mm -hmm. but they're not, they're not enjoining him. Right. And, um, I, I, like I said, I just hear actually, even though you didn't have a dad, you, uh, you have the father's heart, you carry it mm -hmm. and you're, you're expressing it so clearly. I I just feel that in the spirit that to, mm -hmm. there's someone that's hearing this, uh, mm -hmm. maybe for the first time that's never known 
Yeah. He's just never known the the love and the intimacy of the Father. Mm-hmm. To be able to just spend time and to come, like you said, we come boldly into his mm-hmm. presence. Mm-hmm. Yes, we come, you know, sometimes we're messed up, but yeah. it should never be with shame. Yeah. Right? Because we have a we have a father that cleanses us. Yeah. We have a father that that actually everything about him, he wants to restore us. Yeah. He wants to bring us back into that f- uh, because the the relationship's not broken, you know, we broke it, but yeah. he he's still there. He's yeah. still yes, like ever yes, present, yes. always arms open. Yeah. And there's so much to that because we have such a broken and mm-hmm. fatherless generation so mm-hmm. that's searching for actually searching for the love of the Father, which we are, yeah. and not to not see that and understand that it's so. It's so hard. It's you know when you see people that are like hurting that way and broken, they've never really tasted yeah. the love of the Father. Yeah. I want to jump in and say, the egg and the chicken. What comes first? Yeah. You experience the love of the Father, then you decide that the Father is good, or you decide that the Father is good, then you experience the love of the mm. Father. Uh, the mm. the thing is this: there's no perfect man. There's no perfect situation. Sometimes we expect our uh, our hmm. pastor to exhibit that perfect love of our Father, which is an ungodly belief. There's no man who can perfectly exhibit the love of the Father from heaven. So I always often ask myself, so where do I measure? Well, who will measure up to this? So I have to come to the conclusion that I must fully embrace the Word of God. I must lock into the word. And the word says, my father loves me, period. And I accept that. I lock into that. And because I lock into that, I come to the place where I now experience the manifestation of the word. The Bible says in uh, John, it says that the word is God. The word was with God and the word is God and the word was made flesh. Mm -hmm. So I believe that, you know, you don't have to... There's no perfect pastor. You, you, you can run from church to church and look for the perfect pastor to exhibit that love of the Father. Or you can choose wherever you are to make a decision. You believe the word of the Lord to say that your father loves you so much that he will let his son die for you. And if you accept that truth, the truth will set you free from looking for uh, perfect love in imperfect men. And you will lock into the perfect love of your father. And then the word of the Lord will be made flesh. In that still moment, the love of the father will fully manifest in your life. And that you know that you know that you know that you know, no matter how imperfect, the love of the Lord is perfected in the father's love for you. Wow. Powerful. That was an intense. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was getting the anointing all over on that one. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm hearing God on this. You know, there's two sides of that. And she was talking yeah. recently. I did a series on mindsets, um, and and I dealt over two weeks with the orphan mm-hmm. mindset. Yes. And I'm talking to Christians. I'm talking to people in the church. But many times we have that orphan mindset, which is a slave yeah. mindset or a servant mindset right. of always trying right. to please God. God use me. Even when we talk about the fear of God, like I'm afraid of God, but that's mm-hmm. that's the wrong concept. But you look at the story of the prodigal son, and uh, you know the prodigal son. You, you see the love of the father for the son who's with the pigs, and he comes back, and and that's the love of God. That's one aspect. Mm-hmm. But the son that was still in the house, yes, we don't talk about him. He had the orphan mindset. Yes. He did. He didn't realize, so, even though he was in the house, he was a son. 
And yes. what happened? He was looking at the right. You know what happens? We have Christians jealous of one another, competing with other another. Ministers competing with each other. We're brothers. We're sons. We're you know. And 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 what did the father say? He said, "Look, all that I have was already yours. Right. Mm-hmm. You're a son in the house. And, yes. and the authority right. is there. And so we can't enter into our inheritance in the kingdom if we don't have a revelation of sonship with God. Mm-hmm. Isn't that the truth? You know, it, it's interesting. Like just a few days back, last week, I was. Uh, speaking at a men's group, and I spoke about the prodigal son, yeah. and I, that's where I landed. Also, was that that the son that was there, mm-hmm. he didn't, he actually didn't get that he was a son. Yeah. Apparently, yeah. in the house, <laughs> and yeah. he because of that, he didn't that. understand that he actually had a brother. Yeah, right. I like where he would restore him. You know, yeah. with that you know spirit of meekness and yeah. and and wanting to see him restored, he there was no uh, wow. relationship, right? So yeah. the mm-hmm. the whole aspect of the father and heaven, all of that was lost on him yeah. in so many ways. It's interesting, you know. It it kind of just ends there too, yeah. and you're like, wow, I wonder what's going on there now. I yeah. wonder if this guy ever came to understand yeah. how much we're supposed to affect each other. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. And I think that's why that's in Christianity, true. it's so hard for people to actually restore other people because yeah. they have no real recognition of the son they are. Yeah. So how would they ever have hands open taking someone in that's failed? Yeah. Right? That's that's spent their life and just it messed up as worse as bad as it can get. Yeah. And you know, I think and we were talking about this at lunch. I mean, I think that's what they used to call redemption. Exactly. <laughs> you know, restoration. Restoration. <laughs> I'm like, um, yeah, we can talk about it, but yeah. what about the real deal? What about actually exercising it, manifesting it in our yeah. life? Because right. we believe it and we walk in it. Yeah. And yeah. if you can't walk in it for yourself, yeah. you will never walk in it. For other people. That's it. Yeah. For other sons and daughters of the and, Lord. And in the Old Testament, that was the concept of God. He's judge. Right. He's, you know, there's holiness, an eye for an eye, all of that. But in the New Testament, it's about love. Jesus said, yeah. if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, you know, you fulfill all the law and the prophets. But what is that love? It's a relationship. God came to restore us as a family. Yes. But if we're not relating to God, we're just like the Pharisees. That's why when we get pharisaical or we're critical, of course, God hates sin. God right. is holy, but he's also merciful. He's also gracious. Right. He's, he's balanced by that where he, he is going to judge. He's righteous. But, but if you don't know the heart of a father as a son, you, you don't see the heart for redemption. I mean, God loved us. He sent Jesus when none of us were deserving. Right. If we all got what we deserved because he's a holy God, we'd all be wiped. He would have oh, yeah. wiped us We've out. We've been done a long time ago. We yeah. <laughs> but, but when you see the heart of God as a father, mm-hmm. you know, the father is always the one who takes responsibility for the family and goes the extra mile. And I think when, when God is in it, we respond to that. But if we don't have that revelation, we become like the Pharisees. We're critical. Yeah. We're, we're judgmental. And, you know, Christians, many times we're known for what we're against. We come across as mean. We come across as judgmental. Right. Without the, that redemption and that love, and, wow. and love doesn't, accept, you know, love doesn't condone sin, right? But it covers a multitude yeah. of sin, yes. While the person's working on it, and so I think you know we've got to get to that. So if not, how are we going to make disciples? We're not going to make sons. Uh-uh. Back to that, we're not making <laughs> no. sons and no. daughters, which is what no. God wants us to do, and that's what mm-hmm. Jesus did. And I think you know the disciples. We hear all the parables and the teaching, and all that was wonderful, the public ministry. But then you see John laying his head in Jesus' lap. Right. Mm-hmm. How did they have that kind of intimate? That was a brotherhood, a, a, a you know, that kind of intimacy mm-hmm. that came is because of the relationship and the time they spent together. Yeah. Well, I believe that uh, the Lord's actually calling 
his church, yeah. the corporate church in the all the world, into a place where we will be accountable before him for actually discipling and making sons. Yeah. Like that that time of like we get away with it. Yeah. Because so many times we just make um superheroes out of pastors like you said and they you were saying there yeah. and guess what they're people they're going to fail yeah. you right if that's yeah. where you're relying on right. they're going to fail you and then the pastors a lot of times feel like they have to you know have to live up to that yeah rather than living up to where they should be and that is you know fathers in the house yeah mothers in the house yeah. we just, get into uh, the performance we get yes. up, and the problem is a lot of pastors and leaders like for me if i started out and god hadn't really brought me to asia to detox some things and, and yeah. put some things into me, I, I probably wouldn't have been a father because mm -hmm. I didn't have one. You know, mm -hmm. I come from a divorced family. My dad was there, but he was the right. provider who we saw twice a year, you know, and talked to on the weekend. It, it wasn't a, a father nurturing like a mother nurtures, but a father also does nurture. Yeah. But but that concept, so, you know, we can't, pro we produce after our own kind. Yeah. So we have that slave mentality. We have that, you know, mentality of, well, I had to serve someone. You have to serve me then the cycle repeats. But like you said, we're called to disciple nations. Yes. Which is really making sons and daughters and bringing people into the family of God. Yeah. But if we don't have the revelation, how can we bring someone to, some, to a place where we're not? And yeah. so we got to get this message. You know, there's a lot of principles. We can talk about discipleship, and I'm sure right, people have right, done yeah, that, yeah, and that's that, great, yeah. but it's the heart. Yeah. And, uh, you know, recently I had one of my disciples and, you know, a spiritual son and went through very difficult time and his issues were coming out and rebellion and all this kind yeah. of stuff. But I came in very hard, you know, with, with authority because what was happened was wrong. But then God began to deal with my heart as a father because mm -hmm. is that what a father does? And I went back and started studying, you know, fatherhood and adoption and, you know, in the Old Testament, if you had a son and you had a falling out, you could disown your son. They could right. disown you. But if you adopt a son, you can never disown them. Right. And that's God. If we're adopted, we're here. Yes. If we have that heart towards someone that we're not going to kick him out. And yeah, there's some not the, the prodigal, you know, father, he let the son go. Absolutely. But his heart was longing for him to come back. He didn't make it difficult for him. He, he was looking for him. He was looking for him. And what did he do? Immediately the restoration yeah. started. He didn't say go to Prayer Mountain and be there for 40 days. Right. And go and isolate yourself or you're going to, you know, you're just going to sit in the pew for a year. Right. There was immediately a heart of love and restoration. And that's the heart, you know, but it's hard because, you know, we, 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 we have to see ourselves not just as a leader, but if you're a father, what would you, how would you receive your son? And, and, you know, are we cutting people or hurting people and breaking people? Are we really expressing the love of Father in the way that we pastor and the way that we lead? Yeah. And we have to make those adjustments. You know, you just triggered something in my mind. I just thought, you know, uh, King David was not a great father. Yep. <laughs> true. <laughs> true. And look how he treated his son. Yep. And the son that did so much damage to mm. everything about him. And I know that yeah. was part of, you know, the consequences of mm. David's actions also. But... Think about that. He he wasn't a great father. You know, yeah. he's he's got a son and he doesn't restore him. He puts him on the outside. And if you keep a son on the outside, he can do a lot of damage out there so you know, under your nose. You wouldn't even yeah. know it's happening. Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting. I, I I often think about him. He he had like issues, like he had, you know, dad issues, I guess, and he just didn't know how to be a father. Yeah. And yeah. yes, mm -hmm. like you said, there's times when there's going to be correction or else mm -hmm. you wouldn't love somebody. Yeah. But there's got to be a lot more times of care yeah. and restoration. They have to know you're a safe place to come to. Yeah. And so, <laughs> I, listen, 
we are like we could spend all night because just scratching the surface of the father's heart yeah right yep. you know that is such a that, that's the like the cornerstone of discipleship because if you don't have that then w- what are you doing you're not you don't you actually don't know what you're doing yeah. actually yeah but i want to you know for people listening ch- give us some things of what you do like how does how does discipleship out of your father's and mom's heart how does that come out like in day to day like what does that look like how does that what happens (laughs) you know and i I, i'm putting you on the spot but it's you know what does it look like how do you how do you relate to your spiritual sons and daughters and i've seen you in action so i'm I'm asking a loaded question here but i I just want to i think people should hear yeah Mm. You know, I think the biggest thing for me is is being genuine. I think, you know, sometimes we only mm. let people see it as our best. We're in the anointing. We're in that place. But Jesus let his disciples see him mm. at his vulnerability. I mean, he's in the garden. He's at that place of prayer. Guys, can you pray with me? He's in that place. That was not weakness. That was strength to let people see the vulnerability, and they can relate to someone. But sometimes we only show that strength side, we try to like, we always have it together and all that. And we give a wrong sense to people like, oh, we have no problems and we're perfect. And, they, <laughs> yeah. and like, well, I'm not qualified because I'm dealing right. with issues. Right. But I think, you know, not that we shared down or, you know, in that we, but, but, that. but we've got to be vulnerable. Yeah. And I think it's Jesus, again, called them that they might be with him. It wasn't just to do crusades. It wasn't just this is how you heal the sick. Mm-hmm. They live life. They journey together. You know, they probably bathed together in the culture. Yeah. They cook fish together. They 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 were in the boat. Jesus is sleeping. You know, you see that kind of thing. So I think it's, for me, it's letting people in that place of vulnerability. Of course, when you do that, people can hurt you. Right. Of course, you do that. You know, Judas betrayed him, mm-hmm. but Jesus still gave him a chance. Yes. And I think we have to have that heart and be able to do it. And yeah, we have to go to God sometimes because it's not easy. Um, and then we do have that authority, but p- protecting that authority because we're representing God. Yeah. And yes, I agree with this correction. You need to rebuke, you need to correct, but yeah, there's comfort, there's exhortation. Yeah. But your correction doesn't break someone. Right. Because mm-hmm. when you're in a place of authority, you can break a person. And we don't want to break their, their spirit. God says, a broken reed I will not break. Yeah. And I think that's the, in, in midst of that, we've seen just judgment passed by leadership. And that's why we have so much church hurt. But don't, do you, you don't need to do that. I mean, with me, I realize I have my son. I just raised my voice when he was a kid. I didn't ever need to spank him. I didn't ever need to do it. Just raising my voice already, he would get teary because he knew dad wasn't happy. Yeah. And so I feel like we don't have to, you know, go that extra, or, or maybe we've received abusive discipline right. and it flows out of us in doing that. And so not doing out of anger, out of frustration, speaking that go to God with that because sometimes Jesus, is like, how long must I be with you guys? You're right. You saw that, but he, he, he always encouraged, he always restored. I mean, look at Peter. Yeah. The restore, that was the heart of the father that he yes. portrayed. And so I think, you know, for me, it's living life and seeing that where like, you know, my disciples, my, they're my friends. We love to do stuff there. We go, we, we don't yes. just do ministry, but we, we go shoot each other and go paintballing. We go to the beach, <laughs> we go, you know, we go eat together and it's doing life and living life together. Yes. And I think you can see that, you know, in some ministries, they're great workers, but there's always new workers. Yeah, but you look like you know. I met a lady this morning. She's here, and we're like, "How long you been in church? Fifty years. What? Still serving? That's a family. Wow. Yeah, and, and, and that's what we need to have that kind of focus on that. So that mm-hmm. that's my perceptive of 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 yeah, just that vulnerability, that openness, letting them see who you are, 
And yeah. I think that brings a loyalty also. Mm. Yeah. 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 For me, uh, uh, I have a different perspective. Yes. Or maybe different way of doing it. Yes. Uh, I think most importantly, I've, that's the basis of uh, my discipleship is everyone is important to God. Everyone is valuable to the kingdom, but is everyone, uh, is, am I supposed to disciple everyone in the same manner or the same intensity? No. Very no. good. So the Bible says that there are those who are hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold. Yes. And Jesus only have 12 disciples. So my strategy is always to call them to work together with me on something, walk together with me to be at close proximity so I can know them. When I say know them, know them in various facets. Know them in the spirit, know where they came from, yes. know their story because it's in their story that I can see the fingerprint of God, the breadcrumb, I say, on mm. the journey of their life. Sure. And then I intercede for them and I pray, is God bringing this relationship to the next place? You see, um, I only have so many hours a day. That's right. And where I am, I also need, uh, I'm not those who are where my emotions and is vulnerable because I know I have to protect my city. I have to protect me as, as a woman of God. And I need to know who comes close to me mm -hmm. because it's not those that are outside that will hurt me, but those that are within yeah. in the camp. So I need to also exercise wisdom so that I can be very intentional. So um, that is my process. So I work with them, get to know them, discern them, pray with them, and then decide and hear from God who are the people I need to bring to the next place, to the next place. Um, so that is how I disciple. I know them, know their spirit, know their story, and discern what God is wanting them to do. And then I come along and bring them to that journey with me, yes. uh, to that place of a hundredfold. So in discipleship, you will realize that a person may be a hundredfold in one season, right? Mm -hmm. But they may not be a hundredfold in the next season. Mm -hmm. Meaning that it's an intentional choice in both parties to want to journey together. Yeah. Am I right? Oh yeah. man, you're and really right. One party, <laughs> yeah. If one party decides not to, we must not be so hung up about it. We must not, you know, be so disappointed. And, and I see uh, some pastors, they're yes. totally distraught because the person that they are wanting to journey with decide mm -hmm. in the next journey not to do so or right. make decisions that are not fruitful for the journey right. together. When two cannot agree, they cannot journey together. Yes. So we must always work together with the Holy Spirit because there are some people who are not the hundredfold, but they're the thirtyfold, right? But yes. <laughs> in the next season, they are looking to you. So when I sense they are looking to me, they are hungry, the Holy Spirit said, this is the person, then we journey together. So we need to, you know, uh, work together with the Holy Spirit yeah. to really be very intentional and targeted. But our end goal is to bring everybody to their place of destiny, right? Yes. And what is destiny? Destiny is not gifting. Destiny is to, to come into the fullness of sonship, yeah. right? And, and uh, yeah, the byproduct is everything else that they're going to do for the kingdom. Yeah. So that's, that's how I address it. You know, yeah. 
next time you should wait for me to ask the question before you answer <laughs> yes. the question I was going to ask. Because you did answer the question I was going to ask. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the heart of a discipler, right? Because yeah. so, I was going to ask, so, you know, is it one size fits all? Is yep. it the same thing for everybody? I actually had these, I was thinking, yep. I just asked these questions and, and, you, and you answered it. It's not. It's not. And everybody's yeah. uh, distinct. Also, uh, and I know we train that way here, is that I believe a just a, a person that's discipled, they they need to be called by the discipler. They yeah. need to, like you said, you're checking them out. We're all, you know, in people's lives, but at some point in time, you pick them. Yeah, I and think they it's, it's two follow, way. We pick it's each two other. way. They pick each other. Yeah. And they, but then, you know, it's like Jesus, you know, his whole thing was just follow me. Yeah. He didn't give him the whole, you know, yeah. here's my here's my credentials. It's the <laughs> disciple who opens the door. Yes. Yeah, it's Jesus who mean. sent the invitation. Yes. So it's up to the disciple to respond Spawn to, to, to walk yeah. through the door. Yes. So some people will not, or some people yes. will change their mind. But it is us who needs to respond by opening the door when we know yeah. that this is the person God has put in our heart and that there's something that we can do. This person is... Right now, ready, you know. So yes. it is up to those who are above to open the door for those who come from from the ground, right. you know. Yeah, you know, I think you know. Going back to the thirty-six field hundred, uh, yes, Jesus had twelve disciples. You know, where do you put Judas in the thirtyfold? <laughs> you know, I mean, he's probably. But there were the three that I would say were the hundredfold. Yeah, the Peter, James, and Johns. They were in the inner circle, even among the inner circle. Mm. But why? I think it was a heart. You see John's heart, you know, and he calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. Right. I, you know, th there was that kind of passion and love. You look at Peter, you know, and, and even though he was brash and had his character issues, but he's willing to be crucified upside down. Right. Because I'm not worthy to be crucified. You know, and like, it, there was a love that was there. Jesus, of course, pursued, gave them opportunity, but I think they also had to pursue Jesus. It's a, it, you have to have the chemistry, if yeah. I can use that word. And, it, and yeah. it's it's a thing you, a discipler can't fall, you know, pursue someone who's not open. But I've had people pursue me, but I, there's no chemistry. It's just you know, and right. maybe their heart and pursuing, or it's not the right timing. But we've got to have chemistry, absolutely, in that, and you know, and be able to do that. And um, that DNA, I think, that enables us. to. And you meet some people we love, everyone mm -hmm. we, you know. But then there's those we just connect with. Like we met, we connect. We haven't, yeah. met, but like you know, <laughs> yeah. we haven't seen each other a while. You just connect. Yes. Because it's it's of the spirit, yeah. it's born of the spirit, yes. uh, which is a whole other topic. Oh, but, <laughs> but but I think you know it's a heart connection. I think that mm. you go together and you you know even our kids grow up and we're in that season. They're going off to but like our heart is that we love them and we've you know yes. and we may not one day they get married and have kids. We don't get to see them as much, but there's a connection because we're family. And, yeah. and, and that's the kingdom of God. I mean, I think that example in the natural is what God wants to build a spiritual family of you know, sons and daughters. Yes. And, 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 yeah. I, I think also when you, there's no real true um, identity of sonship, yeah. um, then, because I believe people should be in the earth today if we are actually his sons, mm -hmm. we should be able to say with the same boldness he did, and I know it's he's God, I get yeah. that, right? Yeah. But when you've seen me, you have seen the Father, That's right. Right? right? You've experienced me. You yeah. experience the Father, yeah. and I think people are so afraid of that, mm -hmm. probably because they haven't been really discipled, yeah. and they actually don't know the Father like yeah. that, and they don't. 
see themselves as a son. Yeah. And Jesus was like, you know, like that blew a lot of people's theology like way out way of the out. water in his mm. time. It will blow a lot of people's de- theology out of the water today because they'll mm. think like, oh, what do you got? Some kind of Jesus complex. Yeah. And it's like, mm. well, he was the firstborn among many brethren. Yeah. Uh, I guess maybe I have a little bit of a Jesus yeah, exactly. thing because I'm a son. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to share a personal testimony. Yeah. You know, I've been a believer for so long. I accepted Jesus. I went to Bible school. I married a pastor. I became a pastor, you know, and I thought, okay, I've got it. You know, I've a certain level of maturity. I know the father, you know, but all these years I've called God, my father, but I have never really experienced him as a dad. You know, mm-hmm. and I didn't knew that until there was one day I had an encounter in a worship service. Um, the worship opened up and I really felt, you know, the, the heavens opened up and I got down on my knee and I was worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. And I was transported into this uh, vision of me being the woman at the feet of Jesus, breaking the alabaster flask. Right, and I was yes. at the feet of Jesus. I was so full of love, the, the love of God filled my heart. I was tearing, and I never could understand how can the woman at the feet of Jesus wash his feet now with her tears? Because how can you cry so much? But that day, I realized I could. <laughs> I could cry I so much it. that I could wash his feet. <laughs> and when I was crying, suddenly I lifted up my head, and I knew that I was no longer. Uh, I was no longer in the presence of Jesus. I was in the presence of my father. And for the first time in my life, I look up at my father and I say, Dad. Mm, come on. You see, I've, I've never experienced a father. Mm. So to experience that dad is really supernatural. But at that moment, I was so overwhelmed with the love of my father. I say, Dad. For the first time, I call him my dad. And lo and behold, my dad says to me, Susan, you are finally home. Oh, wow. Beautiful. You are finally home. You see, if you never experienced God as your dad, you are still a wandering son, a wandering daughter out there. You never find fulfillment, full satisfaction of who you are. You never feel secured in your position as a child of God. Mm. You see, I was already a believer for many years. I never came home. Mm. I never came home. Until that day, I encountered God as my dad. I came home. And that is why I could pray confidently because I know yes. I'm home. Wherever I am, I found home here yeah. in my Beautiful. heart with Beautiful. my father, my dad yeah. in heaven. Yeah. Wow. Um, like you were like, just opened the door there. <laughs> I know that's the daring scene. You know, you opened the door for people to, uh, for a peek into that intimate place. Mm-hmm. Cause there's an intimacy with the father yeah. that is a whole different realm. I, for us guys from our guy point of view, we know <laughs> this from being a dad. Um, there's nothing like when you have a daughter or son yeah. say, you know, dad, Daddy. You know, they rest their head. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, guys. I'm going to start weeping over yeah. this because, you know, I know the love of the Father mm. is here, and I know he's f- here for people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, Pastor Derek, um, I know we're going to wrap it up here, mm. and we could go on for several hours, and yeah. maybe someday we will. But yeah. um, will you will you pray for people before we leave? Mm. Yeah. we want. I'd like to leave with 
just us uh, going to pop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, maybe you're watching, you're like moved yeah. by that story. Maybe mm-hmm. you, you had a, a male figure or yeah. a dad or a father that let you down. And, and unknowingly, subconsciously, it affects how we look at our father. Yes. But, you know, the Bible says that we cry out, Abba, Father. Yeah. What is Abba, yeah. Father? Well, he's our daddy, God. Not just a judge, mm-hmm. not just someone that, you know, we're wanting to please, but someone that loves us with mm-hmm. an unconditional love. And we don't, always understand that but that's the love of a father that we're willing to lay down our lives because of love and i think Mm -hmm. you know just like susan said it's coming before the father and not just coming to jesus not just thanking the holy spirit for the manifested presence of god Mm -hmm. but coming boldly as a son as a daughter into the throne room of god where like susan said you can you can look up and say daddy god and sometimes it's uncomfortable like well he's Mm -hmm. he's god but he's a loving father. He, yes. he created us for a family. We're made in his image. And yes. Adam walked with him in the cool of the yeah. day. There was intimacy mm-hmm. was there. Sin separated us from that. Families have been messed up, but he's calling us to come home today. Yeah. And I, mm-hmm. I sense the presence of God. Why don't you just close your eyes? And just like mm-hmm. Susan was saying, say, Father, I'm coming home today. Yes. Just allow God to just yes. fill you with his love. Maybe oh, you're crying. God. Maybe you're weeping. Maybe there's, yeah. there's hurt and there's pain. Oh, that just give it to him and open your heart. Come home today. Mm-hmm. He loves you. And Father, we just pray you'd fill every Thank single you, person. Lord with your presence, with your love, and just touch every single person that they come home today, God. Even Mm. if they've been saved for years, they come home to you as their heavenly Mm. father. So Mm. we just commit every person into your hand, Lord, in Jesus' name. And I want to add by saying this, close your eyes right now and begin to activate your imagination. Mm. See yourself coming to the Father Mm. and seeing your Father opening up His arms and you will run to your Father's arm Mm. and allow Him to embrace you right now. Let Him embrace you. Let you feel safe. Allow yourself to feel safe Mm. in the Father's arms. Stay in His embrace Mm. and allow yourself to come home with the Father. We bless you you and we pray that this journey back home will find you in a place of great victory, peace, and joy. We love you very much. And that's only a fraction of how much your father loves you. Amen. Wow. Beautiful. Guys, thank you so much. I can't thank you enough. And I know that uh, people listening and watching, that their souls will be blessed. And if they're in Southern California, they got to run to City Harvest Church. Come on, we'll take it. And, Come and on. experience the love of the yeah. Father uh, through son and daughter. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Enjoy, yeah. Enjoy God bless here. you, and thank you for joining us. We uh, praise God for you. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to get the latest episode. And for more information, go to spiritschoolofministry.com.